Hello, and welcome to the Pragmatic Live podcast series, where we tackle the biggest challenges facing today's product management, product marketing, and other market and data-driven professionals with some of the best minds in the industry. I'm Rebecca Calajaris, Vice President of Marketing and Product Strategy at Pragmatic Institute, and your host for this episode. So generally, we do have some of the best minds in the industry, but today, it's just Mark Steiven. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Mark Steiving is a was a longtime pragmatic instructor. He was the developer of our pricing course. He is the founder of Impact Pricing, and he is a good friend who I like to tease immensely. So, welcome, Mark. I thought for sure I was going to get a good introduction today. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you don't even know me, Mark. <laughs> All right, Mark, tell everybody just a little bit about Impact Pricing. Give us the context for this conversation, and then we can dig right in. Sure, Impact Pricing. All we do is we advise companies and we teach companies about pricing and value. Um, and so I, I dearly love helping companies be more successful, learn how to grow more quickly. And probably the biggest problem I see, you know how pragmatic is all about, you don't understand the problem. I, I agree with that completely. And the other thing that nobody seems to understand is what's the value of their product? Because after they built a product, they built it to solve a problem, but they didn't understand the problem and they don't understand the value to the customer. And, and so those two things together just make so much sense to me that people need to know this. Absolutely, because it's value that you base your pricing on, right? Absolutely, that's what we call it, value-based pricing. Yes, all right. So I think one of the things as we were digging in and what we we're gonna talk about today, and one of the things that we talk about in, in the price course and, and that I think as product people in particular, one of our jobs is to arm the rest of the organization to understand the price, right? That we set to understand the value that we deliver so that they can communicate that effectively so that they, they have confidence in it, they believe it. And I think as we've talked about, the, one of the biggest consumers of that is sales, right? How do we get the sales team to understand the value that our product delivers so that they can sell it effectively? Uh, and I know that this is also a passion area for you. It absolutely is. Uh, one of my favorite quotes we put, I hope it's okay if I steal a quote out of the price class, but one of my- <laughs> For you, one of my, sure. One of my favorite quotes that we put in the price class is if your salespeople are asking for discounts that are too big or too often, it's usually because you, the product team, haven't given sales the tools, the knowledge, and the confidence that they can win deals at the prices you think they should win at. So I, I think that's absolutely a true statement, obviously. And the question then becomes, how do, we, how do we build that confidence? How do we give them the tools and the knowledge about what value actually is? So let's do it. Let's talk about that, right? Because we know what a huge difference. And if you hear the dog, the dog is also really passionate when I talk to Mark. But, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, one of the things we talk about is just what an impact not you know, saving 1% of discounts can have on profitability. So let's talk through sort of how do we approach uh, sales and getting them to understand the value. I think there's a whole bunch of things that are going on, but what I would, first off, every time I deal with any department inside a company, it doesn't matter what it is, you have to treat that department with respect. You have to know that they're there because they're adding value in, inside our company. Now, I know, everybody likes to make fun of salespeople, right? I like to make fun of salespeople. But, but 
we can't. If we expect salespeople to listen to what we're, we're trying to get them to do, to educate them, to help them be successful, we need to empathize with their role. And the first thing I would do if I was empathizing with a salesperson is I would, I would explain what value-based pricing means, right? Value-based pricing simply means we charge what our customers are willing to pay. And I would follow those words up with, and there's nobody closer to our buyers than you. Because that's absolutely true. The salespeople talk to our buyers every day. And my expectation is that a salesperson is going to talk to an individual buyer, try to figure out how much value that buyer is going to get from our product and communicate that to that buyer. And, and I, as a product manager, product marketer, I'm not there to do that. I need my salesperson to do that. So absolutely, I would, I would stroke their ego a little bit at the same time telling the absolute truth, which is they're going to be the closest one to the customer when it comes to, to uh, learning about value and teaching about value. I think that is a powerful lesson. Again, we do, we talk to product people all the time and it is, it is fun for them, for us sometimes, right. To, to tease or pick on sales, but it, it really is a disservice to ourselves, right? Everybody loves to throw the quote, you know, uh, the goal is, is to get a product that, you know, to know your audience so well that the product sells itself, but that's not true. That's never true, right? You can create the best product you want. You stick it in your garage. It's not going anywhere. Uh, right. Uh, and, and we, and we need the sales and they bring both a skill set and a perspective to these conversations. And so to your point, being respectful of that is key. Uh, and then explaining to them what value-based pricing is and understanding the buyer. Now, one of the things you talked about is sales really understands the individual buyer. When you talk about value-based pricing, are you talking about it on an individual level or are you really trying to create segments of the audience and do it that way? Well, let's just answer, we translate that for sales. Yeah, let's say yes, right? Because in the end, we can find segments, we can find customers that are, that are similar to each other. And I know their problems are going to be similar, which is how we at Pragmatic define segmentation. So we know their problems are going to be somewhat similar and the conversations might be a little bit similar. But here's what's absolutely true. You can take any two different customers and they will not get the same amount of value out of your product, period. It's just not going to happen. Now, here's the question. And this is what I love about, uh, about depending on my salespeople. Do you think any customer understands how much value they're going to be able to get from your product? Absolutely not. There's no way they know the answer to that question. On the other hand, if you take a salesperson and point them at a customer, do you think that salesperson knows how much value that customer is going to be able to get from your product? Absolutely not, because they don't know what's going on inside their customer. Mm -hmm. And so if you think about it, it really takes our salespeople working with the buyers jointly to figure out how much value is there really for that specific buyer for our product. And this is what we call a value conversation when we go do that. The real key, though, is having this attitude that says, I want to go discover value with each client and the client, I want to position it so the client wants to discover it too. Because in the end, they want to know, should I be investing in this product? Should I be choosing this product? How much value is there? And this, to me, is value-based selling. You could think of it as value-based pricing with the ultimate price segmentation being, we're going to charge every customer a different price once we understand the value we can deliver. 
That's it's a great point, right? So let's talk, let's go a little bit deeper. Let's talk about how does sales have that conversation? I suspect they can't just call up the customer and be like, so tell me what you value, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> so how do they uncover that in a way that both uh, gives the information they need, but does also serve the need of a customer? So it doesn't feel like the inquisition. None of us like that when a vendor calls us and just like tosses 200 questions at us and we're like, okay, well. <laughs> yep, can't do that. Well, and, and so salespeople, have, have a skill that I do not have, right? They can build a relationship and make people feel comfortable and eventually get to where they're just having a conversation and make this sound very conversational. But what we're after is, um, can you tell me why you're considering a product like this, right? What are the problems you're hoping to solve? What are the results you're hoping to achieve? Right. Can we start listing them? Oh, you know, by the way, I've had other customers who say they wanted this result. Is that something that's important to you or not important to you? Right. So we're going to start listing a bunch of things that, that the buyer is hoping to achieve based on buying a product like our product. And then eventually we'll ask the question, um, which of these is most important to you, do you think? And we get the answer, right? Whatever the answer happens to be. And now we can go down a process that says, hey, do you mind if we try to figure out, is there any value to this? Do you measure this today? Yes. Okay, great. How do you measure it? Oh, we measure that in, you know, number of units manufactured per hour. Perfect. Um, so what do you hope to get that to? Oh, we want it to be 10% more units per hour. All we did was quantify their desire, quantify their hope. And then we can, if we have our business acumen, if we know what we're doing as a salesperson and we understand our customer's business, we can take that increase in throughput per hour and help them figure out well, what's the dollar value to your company if you can incre increase this throughput per hour. So we just had a value conversation to help our buyer understand how much value our product would deliver to them. By the way, we're not holding it against them. We're not saying, hey, we're gonna go charge you for all that. We're trying to figure out, is there value for our product? How can the, the, the product team arm the salespeople for those conversations? What is the product team's role in prep? What a fabulous, fabulous question. Uh, there's a concept that I created after I left Pragmatic, and you're going to hear why in just a second. I call it the value table. And the reason this is so important is because I know Pragmatic and I love Pragmatic relies on what's the market problem. And I personally love this concept of what's the value to the customer? How much are they willing to pay? And the question becomes, how do you tie a market problem to a customer's willingness to pay? Because both of those things are amazingly important. And to do that, I would suggest you create a value table which has four columns in it. And those four columns in chronological order go problem, solution, result, and value. If you built a product, you built it because you wanted to solve a problem. If you built a feature into your product, you built it because you think it solves a problem. What is the problem or the problems that that feature or product solves? Then the feature or the product is the solution column. That's the column that we can all do really well. We know it, we love it, got it. And now the question becomes, if somebody has this problem and they use your solution to solve it, 
what kind of measurable result might they expect? Put it in numbers. So we talked about throughput per hour. We could be talking about customer satisfaction or NPS scores. We could be talking about uh, uh, employee satisfaction scores. We could be talking about turnover. Whatever it is, give me a result that you say, this is something that my customer expects or would, would want to see. And then finally, can we get that into the value side? In B2B sales, you can turn almost any measurable result into a dollar value to the customer if you have enough business acumen and understand the customer's business. Now, by the way, every customer is different. So those results are gonna be different and the value is gonna be different. But if you as a product manager have done the, the, gone through the effort to create a value table like this, what you've armed your salesperson with is not necessarily the tool that says, go do this. It's, this is what you're looking for. As you go out and talk to customers, these are the problems you're looking for. And hence, we're gonna walk them through this path into solution result value. Or they say, here's a result I'm trying to achieve. Excellent, that means we could go identify with the problem and help them get to the value piece. So as a product manager, if we truly understand our market, we truly understand our product, we should be able to, I'll say the word easily, but I know it's not easy, fill out a value table, which includes problems, results, and value to the customer. In your, in, in your, your time using these and, and having them, what is the sales team's initial response when they get a value table? Like, does it make sense? And they're like, great, this is a great tool. Is there a, a bridge? Does it depend? Talk to me about what, what kind of responses you've seen. Yeah, so different salespeople respond differently, obviously. I mean, that's the way it always works, right? You have some salespeople who um, think they already understand customer value. They don't really need this. And, and I have to say, in most cases, that's probably not true. Uh, rarely do I find someone who truly understands customer value. Uh, and then you have some salespeople who just thrive on this. It's like, okay, this is, this is the missing link. This is what I really needed to know. Because, you know, in, I think it's the market class, we always ask the question, are your salespeople experts in your product? Right. And, and obviously, everybody always says, no, they're not. Or I should say most of the time people say, no, they're not. And, and we don't expect them to be experts in our product. But if we could give them tools like this, they don't have to be an expert in the product. What they really have to be an expert in is what are the problems they're looking for? And then how do I communicate with my customer? Here's the value you might expect to get if you have these problems. I would think another really nice uh, sort of output of that tool is that it helps them identify those customers that maybe they should run from and those they should run to, right? So if you're doing your exploration with them and they're really not hitting any of the problems, this is not this is not the conversation you should double down on, right? This is this is a this is going to be a base. So I would think it would be a, an easier or a, a fairly fast way of starting to go. Yep, this is a this is a good fit customer or not. Yeah, I think that's spot on. If you're in the middle of a of a value conversation or any conversation and you find out that the the problems that people care about the most aren't the problems that this buyer has, let's not waste a lot of time there. And, and I think the point is really valid for the step before that as well. And that is when you choose who you want to go prospect with. Or as marketing people, if I choose who I, who I want as a market segment. What I would be doing is going through that, that value table and saying, which are those problems that people care the most about? Which are those problems that people truly value? 
And then I want to go find people that have that problem. Yeah, I would think that table's two-way learning. And a lot of this is, right? So it's what you give the sales to work with. And then making sure you've got a strong feedback loop with sales to continue to refine and perfect and, and do this would be really critical. Yes. And, and we talked about a value conversation for salespeople learning how to do that. Could you imagine if product people understood how to do a value conversation and they went out to customers or potential customers before they built a product or even after we built a product and I want to figure out how I'm going to market it. There are many different layers where we could go learn from our customers. What's the true value. It doesn't, we don't have to rely on salespeople to have that conversation. Nice. What else, uh, what else would you recommend to product people as they work with our sales teams? How else can we help uh, create value-based conversations and sort of help salespeople understand the price that we've set and why? So the other thing that I would love product people to be able to do, and we teach this in the price class as well, the concept of will I versus which one, if we can teach our salespeople to look for and recognize will I situations versus which one situations, then we won't be giving away so much value. Now, what that really means for, for anybody who, who isn't familiar, will I decisions are essentially decisions where we didn't compare our product to a competitor's product. It was just, am I gonna buy your product or not? And then uh, which one decisions are when they compare our product to a competitor's product. When people are only making a will I decision, they're not as price sensitive. They're, they're typically willing to pay more for a product. I want to find customers who, have, who are making will I decisions. And here's an easy one, right? Even if you've got competitors, think about the last time someone gave you a referral, right? Someone said, oh, you got to go take your classes from Pragmatic. They're the best, right? You don't even go look at anybody else. You just go take your classes from Pragmatic because you had a referral. That was a will I decision. Even if there, there might be competition out there, you don't have to bother with it because you had the referral. You know what it is. What that means is that people aren't going to be price sensitive. So if I could teach my salespeople to be looking for, are they comparing us to, a, to an alternative? Are they not comparing us to an alternative? Now, all of a sudden, we know that we can capture more. And the sales process is different. So I'm going to go back to the value table in just a second. The sales process is different because the first thing I want to know is, are you looking at anybody else? And by the way, I would never ask that question. I would never say, who's the competition? I would say, um, if you don't buy from us, what are you going to do? And I'm hoping they say, well, we're not going to buy anything, in which case I know they're not considering competition. Now the value table that we use to, to sell through is the value in use, right? What's the value of solving the problem that they have? They say to me, oh yeah, if we don't buy from you, we're gonna buy from XYZ Corporation. Now I might have a different value table I've put together that says the solution is what of our features are different or better than our competitors features, XYZ. What problem does that solve for my buyer? What's the result they might expect to get if they solve that problem? And what's the dollar value to them? And I can shift as a salesperson, I would shift my entire mindset from what's the value of solving the problem to what's the value of solving the problems we can solve that our 
competitors can't solve. And, and so it's, it's really understanding the way our buyers are thinking about value. That's great. There's like two things I want to unpack there. One is the idea of when I, when I know which competitor and I know there is a competitor, you can also sort of not assume is, is, a, is a bad word, but you can see that they've already had some of the value conversation themselves because they've, they've bought into the concepts of the selling. And it's really then you can, you can really dive down with them on the differentials, right? Don't take them through the whole, the whole show that you usually do because they're past that and really meet them where they are. Love that. And the other thing you talked about, so you know, you, you know how much I love the will I, which one piece. And I think often uh, when people are new to that concept and they get it the first time, they think, okay, do I have a will I or which one product? But you took it a step further because your product can be a will I or which one depending on the segment, even depending on the individual buyer. And I think that that nuance of it really is, again, where the product meets the sales. And we can say it's generally like this but we can really help them look at that at the individual deal level or within even a, a segment is, is a powerful sort of next layer down on will I, which one? Yes, I, I, I think that will I decisions is what we should always be thinking about with our customers. Are they making a will I decision? And a will I decision typically comes from either a will I product or a will I situation. Right. Will I products are things like the Apple iPhone, where if you've got an Apple iPhone today, you're probably saying, am I going to buy the next Apple iPhone or not? You're not saying, am I going to switch to Android? A will I situation is a product that normally has competition, but is put in a situation where a competitor's product is not being considered. And one of my favorite examples of that is popcorn at the movie theater. Right. Obviously, popcorn, you can buy popcorn all over the place at the grocery store. You get free popcorn at Ace Hardware. But once you walk into the movie theater, there's only one place to buy popcorn. And, and so that we just took popcorn and took it from a which one product to a will I situation. 100%. The gas station in the, the middle of the long stretch of the road yep. versus at the corner where there's four gas stations. The yep. product is the same. The situation and the decision is different. Yep. And, and I often think. For, here's, here's some kudos to product marketing, right? I often think that product marketing has more influence in can we turn a, wi a will I product, I'm sorry, which one product into a will I situation? Where I think it's product, product managers who typically can say, can I build will I products? You heard it here. Kudos to product marketing from Mark's Diving. <laughs> I've only waited like eight years, guys. So I'm, I'm pretty excited. I'm just going to play that on a loop uh, back behind me in meetings when I need to get pumped up. So, But yeah, but I think that's a good point, right? Product management. Can I create a will I product? Product marketing. How do I create the situation where it becomes a will I? And I think one of the, the pieces there, it's a situation and it's also the segments where that is uh, more likely isn't the right word, right? But finding those audiences where I can make that flip, doubling down on those is where I get the targets that are really the most attractive. Um, and Absolutely right. So as a marketer, if you can find uh, a market segment that really values something that you do uniquely, that market segment is probably going to make a will I decision. So... Awesome. Awesome. All right. What other, other hints do you have for working with sales and 
delivering value-based pricing. I, I don't know how many more hints I have. <laughs> we've, we've hit the bottom of the well. <laughs> we talked about respect. We talked about the value-based pricing table, right? As a, a piece, helping them realize when they have will eyes and which ones, uh, changing that table based on that. I mean, that is some good stuff there. Uh, there's, there's tons of info here. There's no doubt, no doubt. Awesome. All right. So we talked a lot about lots of different things. If we were going to do two, if we were going to have listeners do two things differently tomorrow based on what we talked about today, Mark, what would it be? I would challenge everybody to go create two rows in a value table. Think really, really hard about a feature or a product. And then uh, what's the problem it solves? Define problem from the same way pragmatic does, right? Do it first person, include pain, right? What's the reason that, that someone wants to do it? So define your problem. Then if someone solves that problem, what's the measurable result? So make sure it's quantitative. And then use business acumen to turn that into dollar value. How much is that worth to a customer? Uh, I know this is hard, right? It is really hard. But once you start thinking this way and start doing this, you're going to find that it ties your problem to your, to your customer's value, and it provides a ton of insight into your marketplace. And then the second thing I would do is I'd go build great relationships with my salespeople and, and tell them my job is to help you understand value. That's great. Good advice all the way around. And Mark, if they want to find out more about your musings and your thoughts, where should they find you? You can always email me, mark at impactpricing.com. And I am all over LinkedIn. So you can find me on LinkedIn very easily. Awesome. All right. Thank you, Mark. It's always a pleasure having you. Rebecca, it was a blast. Thanks so much. That does it for today's episode. Thanks everyone for listening. And don't forget to join us next week when we tackle another great topic designed to help you elevate your company, your product, and your career. 